Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Trending! Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah. Obviously, there's going to be some excitement, but, um, you know, there's still a task to do, right? And I still got to play well. So, um, um, you know, just being focused and, you know, really just taking it day by day and keep improving. Um, just because I won the job doesn't mean that, you know, I can just get complacent. I got to keep getting better each day. Charlie Brewer on his goals for tonight's game, PK. Everybody wants to know, is everything he did at Baylor going to translate? A quarterback who throws for 3,000 yards. The Utes haven't had a lot of that, but when they have, they won 11 games. (laughs) Okay, great. Come on, go big! Go big! Uh, The team has a chance to go big. I'll give you that, yeah. I don't know what happened two years ago at Baylor matters today, but... Not that today literally is an issue, but going forward over the course of nine conference games and and hopefully for them if they get that far at 10th in the title game, uh, everything is different now. So the resume is there, the experience is there, uh, but we sort of went through this not quite with Bentley last year. I know, I know, and you don't want to go hook, line, and sinker two years in a row, right? I'm willing to go more than I went last year because, of course, I have retrospect, too, on last year, so that's much easier to say. Uh, But, you know, his resume is a little bit better, certainly, than Bentley was. But Bentley wasn't a player. I don't know how else to say it, unfortunately. I don't take any glee in saying it, but we know that, man, he just wasn't what we thought he was going to be. So I don't want to heap too much pressure on this kid, but I feel better about him than I did Bentley. Sure, but the... Not not getting to see all the scrimmages, right, and all of that. You know going back with Bentley, you go back and you look at the numbers, and he really struggled against the, the top third of the SEC. Ranked SEC teams, his team had a bad win-loss record, and the stats weren't as good. Now against the bottom of the SEC, even the middle of the SEC, he crushed it, right? So we've said for a long time, well, the middle of the Pac-12 is awesome and nobody realizes it, and that's why you get these upsets. So you can kind of see how it happened. So the reservation I have with Brewer is the one you brought up. Well, Pac-12 defenses, are they better than Big 12 defenses? Are the Big 12 defenses the worst defenses in the Power 5, and is it going to be a different deal when he changes leagues? And a lot of the yards he got, they were pretty easy, and he's just not going to get those easy throws here. You put doubt in my brain, PK. Well, I'm not sure on that. Yeah, I, I mean, know everything you just said is legitimate, but I can't come to a conclusion, and I don't want to just be, oh, I'm going to give a strong opinion just to have a strong take right. when I don't really come close to really knowing for sure what to believe. I'm willing to see it and, and then go from there. I like the resume. <clears throat> I like what uh, Kyle and Andy Ludwig have been saying, uh, but I need to see it some more, and I haven't seen it at all when it mattered and we didn't see any spring ball for the first time ever uh i I think also well last year we didn't see the they didn't really have a training camp the way they traditionally have it but this was the first training camp we didn't even get to see the punters punt (laughs) and the players stretch at the end it was zero 100 percent cut off so i can go by what they say and i've talked to folks and 
all that stuff. But I haven't seen, I've literally seen zero. We'll see it in time here. But, you know, I think it's going to be okay. To what level? You know, there's various levels of okay. Is it Rose Bowl okay? Possibly. Weber State's offense, and we can get into this later in the show, uh, I think the U defense is going to dominate there. But the Weber State defense, and they played non-conference games last year, but you go two years ago, Jay Hill's defense, they went to San Diego State and played a 6-0 game, and they played uh-huh. a 19-13 game with Nevada. So I know it's a big sky test tonight, and that's not the same as Pac-12, but I still feel like it's probably something because Jay Hill has had defenses that Mountain West teams, good Mountain West teams, have really struggled with. Okay. Yeah. And I think uh, Cal, too, didn't they? Did you already say that? Uh, I did not have the Cal score. I had uh, the they two get, Mountain West games. They gave Cal a, a, yeah. quite a battle. I know you're a Mountain West guy, but they uh, they gave Cal the battle a couple years ago. Yeah, that was four years ago. Uh, 33-20 in that game. All right, more on the Utes. And what do you think? What do you expect for the season? What are your goals? That is the question of the day. We will get to that coming up, so stay with us, Ute fans. It's 5.30 tonight on the Pac-12 Network, and the Ute pregame show right here on the Zone Sports Network with Hans Olsen and Frank Dolce starts at 4 o'clock. Hashtag college football. There are other games to check out tonight. Boise State and UCF is the headliner. 5 o'clock on ESPN. If you want a conference game, Ohio State's playing Minnesota. In the That's Big not a headliner? Eh, I was going to say. It's Ohio uh, State. Aren't they going to go roll these guys? It's still no. Ohio State, though. No. They're not. I don't think they're going to roll them. They're going to probably pick them to win, but Minnesota's got a really good program. Minnesota's That's got your Mountain much West better. bias right there. Ohio State's <laughs> playing, and Boise State is the headliner. Hey, if, it get, if I get that Ohio State-Indiana game, that 42-35 thing, I'm all about it. I just hope Minnesota hangs in there. 6 o'clock on Fox. And later tonight, after the Ute game ends on the Pac-12 network, then Arizona State plays Southern Utah. That's at 8.30. Oh, well, then that's the headliner. What were we thinking? ASU's going to (laughs) roll SUU. (laughs) Come on. Uh, Florida State is going to honor late coach Bobby Bowden. Various tributes, on-field logos, and his famous signature on the back of the football team's helmets. So, Seminole fans have that going for them. LSU football coach Ed Orgeron said on Wednesday that all the players, coaches, along with their families are safe after Hurricane Ida tore through the Gulf Coast this week. He said some families experienced severe damage to their homes and have been displaced by the storm because widespread flooding across the state of Louisiana. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I've been around enough quarterbacks to know, you know, what they look at and, and do. And the great ones want that little extra thing that you can give them to make them even greater than they are. This kid uh, is the epitome of that. Andy Reid praising Patrick Mahomes and his work ethic right there. Mahomes, the next generation, you got to put Allen there. You got some other young quarterbacks you think are going to carry the league for a decade because obviously Mahomes, I expect week one, the Chiefs. Will be on TV in Utah. Of course, I see Mahomes. What a dumb question. The obvious answer is Zach Wilson. Your lack of respect and your repeated disrespect is just growing so old. I expect he'll be on TV week one as well. The Jets opener. And I expect he'll be playing in the Pro Bowl. 
you're in the Super Bowl, you don't play in the Pro Bowl. You know that. I know, and I'm not picking the Jets to go to the Super Bowl this year. Thank you for that uh, little (laughs) lesson of league rules. Raiders GM Mike Mayock telling reporters, John and I will both tell you that we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. You guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and I understand it, but that's what the expectation is. We think we've done the infrastructure work necessary to put us in position, and we've got to take care of business. Taking care of business. Raiders a playoff team, yay or nay? Nay. They, I mean, they were in contention a good while last year. Um, Chiefs win the division. There's three wild cards out there. Well, do we like anybody else out there as far in the division anyway? Better than the Raiders? Do you? Uh, Let's see what the Chargers can do, man. Yeah, that's so a wild close card. Losses. I know that's a wild and, card. And I love Justin Herbert, and that's my Pac-12 bias. I'll be the first to admit it. So I'm the Raiders, see I, what they can do more than worrying about one specific team because once you're the wild card, you're competing not just with the division, the whole conference. Uh, you know, can the Raiders get to ten and seven? Because they think ten and seven makes you a wild card. It, it may not. You may get squeezed out. So but I mean, I they have a chance. Wild card. I put them in the, in the running. So I don't know that it'll do right. it. If you Buffalo, if I had to give you yes yeah. or no, I'd probably say no. But they right. got a shot. Buffalo in the East probably wins the division, but maybe Miami could be a wild card. Jets and. Uh, Jets and Patriots going with young quarterbacks. Don't want to. Don't know if I want to pick them for ten wins right now. Carve up the competition. Well, that, all of a sudden that division has turned into a division of young quarterbacks. All right, the old quarterback is twenty-five. This is twenty, a twenty, two twenty-two-year-olds, a twenty-three-year-old, and a twenty-five-year-old. I think. Yeah. Yep. Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll says he's counting on left tackle Dwayne Brown playing in the team's season opener. Brown has not been practicing amid a contract dispute with the franchise. He's looking for a contract extension during the final year of his deal. The club reportedly prefers to go year to year at this point with the 36-year-old Brown. They'd also like a left tackle they could count on protecting their star quarterback. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. NBA informed teams have recently issued laws in both New York and San Francisco about vaccine requirements will be enforced, including for players, for members of the Knicks, the Nets, and the Warriors, unless there is an approved medical or religious exemption from taking part in them. Both cities recently passed laws requiring some level of COVID-19 vaccination in various settings. And the thing I didn't get about this, PK, is that apparently this doesn't apply to visiting teams, and I don't understand that. But, nah, I guess there's plenty of things I don't understand. But watching the stories on that yesterday, reading them, that's weird. But doesn't impact the Jazz or whoever else is going in there as a visitor. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I know. You can't explain it. We can't explain this to each other. Go figure. Amidst ongoing reports that Ben Simmons wants out of Philadelphia's 76er star center, Joel Embiid took to Twitter to fire back on reports that there's a rift between the two all-stars. Embiid tweeted, stop using my name to push people's agendas. I love and hate drama. I love playing with Ben. Stats don't lie. He's an amazing player, and we all didn't get the job done. It's on me personally. I hope everyone is back because we know we're good enough to win. You buying that? Months after the playoffs end, he could have said this a long time ago. This isn't like new reporting. The only thing that's new is that now Simmons says he wants out. Yeah, so I think that once that Simmons said it, it became more of a story and, uh, you know, Embiid probably decompress after the season and all that stuff. And now we're getting closer 
to uh, basically training camp opens. Well, training camp opens at the end of the month, so it's right around the corner, obviously. So maybe it was on his mind now, but I don't know that it matters. I, I can see why he wouldn't want to be involved in that. I mean, that's not his place. Uh, so wash your hands of it. Hey, don't blame me. I don't want to be a part of it because you don't need to be a part of it. Management is going to do what they do, uh, really irrespective of you. And I think if I'm in, if I put myself in Embiid's place, it's like, okay, who do I get? What do I get? Right. Because if I come out and say, yeah, I want him gone too, well, his trade value is already uh, decreasing. So now if your star player comes out and says that I want him gone, then, man, what are you going to get, 25 cents on the dollar at that yep. point? And the thing is, for all of Simmons' flaws, and we all know what they are with his shooting and his free throws and not wanting to shoot and all that, they were a better team when those two guys were on the floor than when Simmons was on the bench and Embiid was on the floor. So if they don't get something good back, I get they're not good enough to win it all, and that's a huge flaw in Simmons' game. And yet if you move them, you could end up worse. Well, the trade value is going down as yeah. we speak. Yes. And it's funny, you know, three years ago, such a big deal, Simmons or Mitchell. Uh-huh. Uh, what are we talking about here? This thing will be decided over the long term, not the rookie of the year. I mean, Mitchell, is, who remembers who got rookie of the year? I don't. Five years from now. I Did you remember who's the better player? Could you imagine if, if the Jazz called Philly and said, hey, we'll take Ben Simmons right now and we'll give you Mitchell? The freaking 76ers would throw a parade. <laughs> they would. <laughs> Executive of the year, pick the jazz pockets. Yeah. And so if you want to know who's the better player, just look at it from that perspective. And if the Sixers called and said, we'll offer you Simmons for Mitchell, the jazz couldn't hang up the phone fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about before I go? Because I got a burger yeah. to eat over here. So that settles <laughs> the argument right there. Uh, I called up a list of the NBA rookies of the year. Obviously, you know all their names, but the type of careers they have vary wildly. I mean, you know Tyreek Evans. He was the rookie of the year two years after Kevin Durant and two years before Kyrie Irving. Yeah, did he get suspended? Is that his issue? He's been suspended before. Yeah, I think there's something. I mean, this still, might still be active. I'll double check all that stuff. But yeah, your point is. Yeah, okay. in back-to-back nice players, years, in back-to-back years, Damian Lillard and Michael Carter Williams, one rookie of the year. Uh, I think one guy's I'll take, career. I'll take uh, Damian. Yeah, I know, right? One guy's career is uh, outshone, outshone another. So, yeah. all right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Next delivery is hit high in the air to a center field. Backing up is Naquin to the track. It's gone. Big fly. Paul Goldschmidt, his second of the game, and the Cardinals retake the lead. Swung on and hit in the air to deep left center. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A Judgean blast. Aaron Judge powers one into the bullpens in deep left field. All right. Here comes the judge. Here's the pitch now. And Max hits a drive to left center field and deep. Going back, Rosario. He looks up. It is gone. A home run for Muncie. And the Dodgers strike first. It is 1-0. Highlights from around Major League Baseball. The Dodgers sweep the Braves. They win 4-3. They move into first place because Milwaukee 
Wins their fourth straight. They beat the Giants 5-2. to two. So the Dodgers take over the spot, top spot, and the Giants are now leading the wild card race in the National League. Red split a doubleheader. They've got the other wild card. They're a half game in front of the Padres. And the Dodgers and Giants, well, not yet, because the Giants have to play Milwaukee today. But then, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, you ready okay, for man. a showdown? Early showdown, but yeah, I mean, it's a very important series because you want to win the division to get out of the one-game deal. So, I mean, I guess in September, you could call it a showdown. Still the first week of September, but very, very important games. The Dodgers start to open some distance. I don't know that they will. This is the first time they've been in first place since April. The Giants have just been so good, and they've come back to earth a little bit, but there's still time for them to rally and they need to figure out ways to win ball games again and not think oh, okay we've had a good season and it's surpassed a lot of expectations because right now your expectations are to go to the world series when you're this close and you know you got a decent pitching staff and all that stuff so we'll see what happens yeah but it's a big big deal there's a lot of close races you know the braves being swept by the dodgers and the, the phillies were rained out yesterday and, and uh Washington, but they've won four in a row. They're only a couple back. So here we are in the final month, and you know, this is the, the pennant stretch uh, is, is what it's about. Dodgers and Giants have split 16 games right down the middle, 8-8. Eight and eight. This three-game series are their last three games of the regular season. They may see each other again in the postseason. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, they both. What, what happens is they wrap this up, and then they both play the Padres a gazillion times down the stretch. The Giants. Have yeah, the Padres only have two games remaining. I think they've got twenty-eight, and two of them are with teams. Well, one team, it's the Angels, below five hundred, mm-hmm. which is, I think the Angels are like two games under five hundred, right. and the rest of them uh, are all against all, good teams. I was yeah. looking at a thing this morning, and you can go. I, I have the MLB app, and it and it has a whole thing on the strength of schedules of yeah. all the contending teams. And I was looking at it this morning, and that's what they were saying that they have, of, of the NL West anyway, they have the toughest schedule. They've got 10 games left with the Dodgers and 6 games left with the Giants, and that ought to be great news for the Cincinnati Reds. Well, it could be great news for the Padres, too. Well, if they can get to the wild card with this schedule, then they'll be a threat in the playoffs because they will have just done really well against two teams that have, well, both are on pace for 100 wins. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta got to beat the best to be the best, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Yankees beat the Angels 4-1. to one. Shohei Otani, whiffing, PK. Whiffing. That's not that part game. of the story. What's going on? Well, he's only a 260 hitter, so it's not like he is putting the ball in play a lot anyway. And Garrett Cole is the best pitcher in the American League. And he struck and he out 15 in the game, he had a, so he, he had, had it going. going. Yeah. yeah, and they took him out after uh, seven. Seven innings, yep. Yeah, I had that game on. It started, it was a 5 o'clock start our time, which meant 4 o'clock over there. And they kept showing pictures of the beach going to commercials. It was bugging me. <laughs> but uh, Garrett Cole's, you know, him and probably Bueller in the, for the Dodgers, top two guys with DeGrom being out. But, yeah, he was he was on top of his game. And that's, what, that's why they pay him huge money. Aces are there to stop losing streaks, and he did it. Shohei Otani 0 for 4 with three strikeouts in that one. 
Uh, the Mets acting GM, Zach Scott, will not join the team for the upcoming road trip. He was arrested on a charge of driving while intoxicated early Tuesday morning. He'd reportedly been at a team function Monday night at Mets owner Steve Cohen's house in Connecticut, but police found him uh, allegedly asleep at an intersection at 4 o'clock in the morning. So I would think the team function didn't go that late, but what happened in between, who knows. John Smoltz, uh, Al Leiter, not making in-studio appearances for Major League Baseball Network after refusing to get the coronavirus vaccine, according to multiple reports. And MLB Network's policy made it mandatory for them to be vaccinated, taking effect Wednesday, but they'll both be on the show remotely. Okay, but what happens with uh, Smoltz because he does... uh, Games. Yeah. He does, yeah. So will he be be remote or will he be in the stadium? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's not an MLB requirement. Right. It's a network requirement. So and if he's doing he games it, he on does Fox. does it for Fox, right? right? If he's doing games on Fox, what happens? I assume he goes to the stadium, but, you know, I don't know. Washington Nationals VP Bob Boone has informed the team that he will resign instead of complying with a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all non-uniformed employees. He's a former MLB catcher and manager and the father of Aaron Boone. And former MLB infielder Brett Boone. The Boones have quite the baseball legacy. Well, Brett Boone's son is in the Nationals organization. So, didn't Bob Boone's dad play also? Aren't we already in the third generation? So, this will be the fourth generation if he makes it to the bigs? If he makes it, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what level or how much of a prospect he is. But reading the story this morning, I saw that they said his son, his grandson, not... Not the manager's son, the manager's brother. Uh, his son yeah. is in there. So, uh, but at the same time, they were saying that he is a Bob Boone is a trusted advisor of Rizzo, the GM, and all that stuff for the Washington Nationals. So he could probably still do it, just not be on the payroll. He's seventy-three years old now. The B is open. A, oh, he was a catcher with uh, all those great Philadelphia teams. Yeah. The Bees open a series against the Sacramento Rivercats tonight at 8 o'clock. Listen to the action beginning with the On Deck Circle pregame show at 7.50 with Steve Klauke. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Our guy Lincoln Kennedy is back for another year. The Raider analyst, also the Pac-12 Networks. We will talk college and pro football with Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 8 o'clock. Yach, what's his first assignment? Weber State, Utah. There it is. All his prep work will be on full display tonight at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The New Look Aggies hit the road to take on Washington State to kick off the Blake Anderson era in Logan. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the pregame show at 8. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ Peak in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day. College football season is here. What are your predictions? 
Dan says Utah by five. That is a prediction that predates you and I, PK. Ute fans love to say Utah by five. Yeah, if they only win by five tonight, that would be a disappointment. That would be a, uh, a red flare going up, wouldn't it? A flare, not a flag? Yeah, red flag too, sure. Red flags, red flares. Be trouble. Travis says some teams will win and some teams will lose. Talk sports show analysts will talk about it, and we, the fans, will continue to follow the results. Look at Travis just riding the wave, unconcerned with anything. Don says games will be played, some teams will win, some teams will lose, and Utah will beat BYU. All the stuff that happens every year. You got, you got the laughing emojis and the uh, yeah, thumbs up. Well, that. it can only happen once in a four-year period, though. Dusty says Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State will take three of the playoff spots. LSU? LSU? Not sure about that one. I'll give you Alabama and Ohio State. Unless Minnesota gets it done tonight. No, it won't matter. Ohio State will get in anyway. <laughs> I think they'll get in with one loss if that's what they are, unless there's uh, four other undefeated teams, which is highly unlikely. No one, literally no one goes through the Pac-12 undefeated. Hasn't happened yet. Maybe this is the year. Don't expect it to happen. David says Alabama will win the title. Yeah, but you know that's a that that's somewhat of a conclusion. I get it. Whether it's for, foregone uh, remains to be seen. But see, that's why I look at other stuff here. And my, we were talking yesterday. You you guys came on the five o'clock hour, and uh, uh, what Scotty and I were on the four o'clock hour, and we were arguing about be or Utah should they change their offense and. Nick Saban said something to some coaches, so uh, Gordon was all hyped up on that. And, and I said, come on. They've, Utah's had such success. And so he said, well, you're all about winning it all. I said, yeah, but that's just at the pro level. Not all things are equal, but the pro level, at least it's more equal. There's a wide variance of colleges. So I get that the Southeast is just always going to be the top football conference. I don't think it will ever change. Because they have unreal passion and in some degree level over-the-top passion that we'll never have out here. We've got passion, but not like there. So what I'm getting at is for here, I don't really care about that stuff. Because I think if you go to the Rose Bowl out of the Pac-12, you've had a great season. I think if you go 10-2, and two, and two years ago when the Utes went 8-1, and one, and then lost Oregon. They had a great season, and they kept saying, Scotty and Gordon, saying they've got to change their offense because they haven't won the Pac-12 title. They said, well, so they lost one game, so change it. They lost one game because that's what it boils down to because the the two years that the Devils won the conference at 8-1, and that was good enough, but we've added this concocted one-game deal. So on a one-game basis, if you don't beat the other guy, yes, it's a disappointment, no question about it, but it doesn't take away from the excellent season that you had. Because he's talking, talking to me. Scotty was saying, well, you had 10 and 2, but you're finishing second. I said, Scotty, you're talking to a Sun Devil fan here. <laughs> and you think I'm going to say 10 and 2 was a bad season? In the moment, it's going to be disappointing. I fully understand that. Absolutely. And it's a one game deal. And one game, things can happen. 
You know, the, they say the seminal game with the merger of the AFL and the NFL was the Jets beating the Colts, right? Is that, that they beat the, that beat is, the Colts? That is what they say, yeah. yes. And, and that was a one-game deal. Who's to say if they played a seven-game series or what have you, that, that would have happened the same way. But in a one-game deal, it's somewhat of a crapshoot. And uh, it was a crap show for Utah against... Oregon, and I wish I would have thought of that two years ago. Crap shoot versus crap show, because I like that. And they got beat. They got beat. They got drilled. They got run off the field, and I was a surprise. But they still had a successful season, and that's the way I look at it with the colleges, particularly on our side of the country, because the party is slanted towards the southeast. So if you want to take it at the highest level, it's extremely predictable. But I don't just take it at that because there's a lot of good times along the way. And they were talking about, I said, well, I don't know that Brewer can have a better season than what Tyler Huntley had. And then Scotty recited some stats about only threw the ball 24 times. Yeah, because they were kicking the crap out of everybody that year. I, I was writing a, a, a thing for our website, and I would send it to and Yacht can back it up. I'd send it to him at halftime because the thinking thing was over. And I said, just plug in the final score. It was like every game. They just slaughtered people left and right. There was a lot of good times, and it ended on a bummer, no doubt about it. But they still went ten and uh, what, eleven and two? I guess eleven and three. If you want to call the bowl game, but I, the bowl game, every Pac-12 team has lost. That's lost the title game, has lost the bowl game because there's a big difference between the Granddaddy and the Al- Alamo and the Holiday or whatever bowl that they put you in. So my point is that all right, fine, you could still have some great times and have a really good season even if you don't get into that other thing that they've got called the 14 playoff. Well, when you have the most money, which the SEC schools do, you're expected to win championships, which SEC schools have been doing. And when they get Oklahoma and Texas, I think they're going to have seven of the top ten athletic budgets in the country. They're going to be expected to win. And, you know, will. Saban is probably, you know, 85 and still winning, and so he'll be celebrated. 85? <laughs> yeah, right. And the other guys at Texas will be getting fired because they aren't winning at the level Bama is, right? And so we'll go through all of that. But to your point that there are different schools at different levels, I think for our schools here, there have been a lot of 10-win seasons. And I get over time, you know, Lavelle was coaching and BYU was doing it, and they were playing 11 games, and the bowl game was 12. And then... You start adding in conference title games, and so now you can play 12, 13, 14. Even Lavelle had one team that played 15 games one year. But still, how many times has a local team won 10 games and people went ho-hum? And I think there have been about 25, 10-win seasons between Utah State, Utah, and BYU. I would say once. And that was what I came up with. One time, that when BYU won 10 games the first year in Independence, yeah. the schedule wasn't very good. Right. And there was a huge hangover among BYU fans from watching the Utes get into Pac-12 and them not getting in. And that, yeah. I think, is the only time I'd be willing to listen to anybody say, yeah, they won 10, but I wasn't really into it. Right. Every other uh, time, if yeah. your team won 10, Aggies, Utes, or Cougars, you had a great time. Yeah. Tom said he had to put the schedule together on a fly and he needed right. time. So And understood. We gave him time. He, he told us up front. This was what was going to happen, so they were going to play New Mexico State and this and that. And so, fine. They did it, and they had to have a transition, understood. Nobody complained about it because this is the new path they were going down, and they did what they needed to do. 
and they got the games and they won them. They weren't that good of a team, but that's it. That's the only time. You get 10 wins, any of these three schools, 10 wins, great season. So I don't want, I don't want to discount that. It's not the highest. I understand that, but this isn't pro ball here where, yeah, it is for so many. And for the Jazz this year, too. You can say NBA title or bust. Nothing wrong with saying that. Doesn't mean you don't have good times along the way, because you will. There's no doubt about it. There'll be many good times this coming season. No, I guarantee it, and we all guarantee it. But at that level, and that's actually what you want at that level. You want title, town, or bust, because that means you have high expectations. You don't want to, you know, the Sacramento Kings don't have them, but the Jazz do. And that's exactly what you want. And that's at the pro level. But the college level, there's so many variables involved. And if if the Utes are playing January 1 Rose Bowl, my goodness, that's just absolutely awesome. And so they didn't get invited to the party. I guess maybe it's a little bit of a, a qualifier I would put in there if the the winner, which obviously then would be, say they got to the title game, which they would need to do to go to Rose Bowl, and they lost, and the team from the north goes to the playoff. And so you you sort of backdoor the Rose Bowl then, right? Yes. You'd still be in the Rose Bowl and people You'll take still it. be excited. You'll take it, <laughs> but it, but it be is a little same. bit of a backdoor. It wouldn't be the same as going 12-1, and getting left out of the playoff, winning the Pac-12 title game, and going to the Rose Bowl. But you it would, just wouldn't but, be. But you, you would, take it. You but would it take it. It wouldn't be the same can, as the Devils went imagine, twice. And it wouldn't can, be the same as that. Can you imagine Mark Harlan calling a press conference like, "Yeah, we're not going. We'd rather go Alamo. We're handing this thing over to uh, Arizona State." Well, they're not going to. Yeah. I know. So I mean, I don't think that they're. I, I suppose they could do it, but nobody's uh, going to do that. Everybody's taking the rose. Yeah. What you what you would hope in that situation that the title game wasn't like it was with Oregon and Utah a couple years back, where it was a slaughter. And it was raining on the Utes, literally and figuratively. And I was down there on the Ute sideline at the end of that game, and there were a lot of long faces. I can still see Mark Harlan. I caught his eye as he was walking into the locker room or, on, you know, in the tunnel. And everyone was disappointed. Uh, I was disappointed for them, too. I did, I did not know that they would win, but I didn't see them basically getting run off the field to the level that they did. It happened. I can't deny it. And that was their big push is why the, they, Utah needs to change the Monson and Scotty. They need to change their offense because they haven't won the Pac-12 title. So you got me there. They got beat on that game. There's no doubt about it. They did. and But still stepping back, they've had a good season. They had a good season. They've had a good program. So that's the way I view Pac-12 football. And maybe that's just me trying to uh, what uh, – cover myself for disappointment on a national level and so i'm i'm rationalizing if somebody wants to say oh you're just rationalizing if scotty wanted to come back and say that i get it he's got some truth to it if he didn't say it but if he wanted to say it okay i can i can buy it to a degree i think the only i think the only two schools in the conference who'd be rationalizing at this point would be oregon and usc everybody else i don't think anybody else really is thinking playoffs you know, it'd be exciting. And it's not just because we're here. Do you think anyone at Iowa State, I mean, they were disappointed that they lost to Oklahoma the second time. But do they really think last year was a bad year at Iowa State? 
And they wanted to win the conference title game. They did, and it, it was disappointing they didn't. But they got Oklahoma the first time they played them, and they got to a point that Iowa State football over 100 years rarely gets to. That oh, had sure. to be a good season but for this, Iowa State. But that, okay, that's them. And, but but, uh, but Iowa State's in they, There's very few Oklahoma, Oregon. Yeah, there's like five, six teams. Yeah, they're that's at a different it. level, right. Nobody that's else it. is expected to do it. Everybody else is like, wow, you that's did that? That's what I said yesterday morning at this very time slot is that the reason why I wanted Utah to play a high-level schedule every year because they're a high-level program. They're not at that highest level, but they're in the next cut. And that next cut is pretty doggone good when you're winning a ton of games and you're sending a ton of guys to the NFL and at least what we believe, you're, you're running a clean program. I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. Maybe that's a soft mentality, but I believe it's a more of a realistic uh, mentality Go in the southeast, pay uh, Jimbo Fisher, Jumbo Fisher, where he's just making nine million. Could you imagine Kyle Whittingham making nine freaking million dollars a year nope. at Utah? Nope. <laughs> well, Come on. and can you imagine Utah tearing down the stadium that they just improved so they can build some eighty-five thousand seat monster like we see all across the SEC? They're going to build the swamp. They're going to build uh, you know something that Alabama or LSU has. No. Jumbo no. Fisher's official numbers give be north of $102 million when all is said and done with this wow. crowd. And he's not even going to coach to the end of this deal on no. this deal. It'll be redone. If he lasts yeah. that long, yep. he'll have another deal. Yeah. So it's never going to get that. And you look at the uh, it's money talks, man. The Dodgers, we talked about it yesterday. <laughs> the payroll is $60 million more than anybody else's in the big leagues, and they just took over first place. And they've had a slew of injuries in the Trevor Bauer situation to their pitching, but yet they can recoup it because they can go get Max Scherzer and bring him in. And I'm not sure Max Scherzer in four starts has allowed a run. Uh, for the Dodgers. He's been sensational. He didn't get yeah. the win last night because they took him out. But, again, he pitched shutout ball. So uh, how many teams can do that? Well, you know? the Padres didn't. They considered it, and there have been all kinds of stories written in San Diego about how bad their record has been since the Dodgers got Scherzer and they didn't. The locker room knew, like, oh, yeah, we're not doing this. Yeah. And you, that, you can so say much. that's a soft mentality. At the same time, it's also realistic. The Dodgers are loaded and they get Scherzer? And they're already loaded? Great. Literally. Yep. I mean, they got so much money to spend, and they spend it. What did you say? $262 million, something like that? Way bigger. $266.9 million. Yeah, way bigger than... If you have a $60 million budget more than the Yankees... <laughs> You're spending cash. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm looking Come at on. it right now. They are the, the Dodgers are outspending the Padres, who've really pumped up the payroll in a way that they rarely, maybe they did in the late 90s when they went to the World Series, but they haven't done it in 25 years if they've done it at all. They are outspending the Padres by $91 million, and the Dodgers are outspending the Giants by $105 million. They're outspending the Giants by more than the Brewers' entire payroll. The Dodgers could face the Brewers and the Giants in the playoffs, and they're spending more money than those two teams combined. Yeah, good for the Brewers. I think they're 30 games over 500. Uh, yeah, so they're crushing it with the 19th really best payroll. Team. So I think that's what you have in the Southeast. So you, ha- you have to look at it more regionally and look at what you're doing there. And there's going to be a lot of good times. I believe for BYU and Utah, I think there might be some for Utah State, but I think for BYU and Utah, 
And I made my predictions. Where they were published on uh, Tuesday. You can go to our website or go to KSL and check it out. And Your, I have, yours weren't outrageous. We can get to them. They, that, that's pretty much where they belong. We'll get to that next. Win totals for the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes get set for an in-state showdown against Weber State at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Catch the Ute pregame show Thursday at 4, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays presented by Stonehaven Dental at Stonehaven Dental. They say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. All right, PK, we've got the uh, question up on Facebook and on Twitter asking people for predictions for this football season. Jeff Jackson says, Weber State National Champions. That'd be awesome. I sure would, yeah. I mean, I follow Weber State to a decent degree, but I don't follow the uh, rest of the country. I can name you the traditional powers but I have no idea how they are going to be this year. I haven't spent any time on that. But uh, Weber State, we've talked about this many times. They've got a great program. Jay Hill's done a great job. They've been in contention every year uh, for the last three or four, so why not this year? So we were just talking about your predictions. They're up at 1280thezone.com. People can read them. I got them right in front of me, and you were were me. You were highly logical. I was looking for something outrageous. I think I'm more conservative in my predictions. Well, you actually said at the end of BYU, you said, going conservative, the pick is 8-4. and four. And I thought, that is conservative because the pick is 9-3. and three. But if you were going to say going conservative, I'm like, well, then you got to say 8-4. and Because 9-3, and three, you know, by the book in Vegas, and when are they going to be favored? Well, by the book, it's 9. So if you want to go conservative, 8-4 and four is a solid pick. Now, you do say uh, good health yeah. and a few lucky bounces can lead to nine or ten wins. I mean, when you try to pick 12 games at once, there are all kinds of things you can't possibly factor in. And I brought this up on the, uh, the hour yesterday. Actually, Scotty brought it up on your hour. He was saying, well, yeah, the USC game looks really hard right now. And if you're picking right now, you would pick USC. But you and I both know from following USC, USC has high hopes every year. And if they lose to Stanford... And Utah and Notre Dame are 3-3. Three and three. That thing could get away from them, and that game might not be nearly as difficult as it looks. Now, if they beat Stanford and Utah, even if they lose to Notre Dame, if they're 9-2 and two or 10-1 and one going into that BYU game, well, then that's going to be a really hard game. And sitting here right now, there would be no reason to pick BYU. You would pick USC. So, yeah, I don't make individual game predictions right. in preseason but BYU looks good enough and the way the schedule is lining up we're not looking for the wins we're looking for the losses no there's a bunch of games we assume they're going to win I assume they're going to beat Arizona and apparently so does everybody else they're 12 and a half point favorites Uh uh-huh I look at it to when I make my preseason predictions I don't pick individual wins and losses 
oh, they're going to win this game, they're going to lose that game. Certainly I account for the schedule, but I look more about the team itself as opposed to the opponent because I want to forecast what level do I believe in their talent. Is it a 500-level talent? Is it, you know, 7-5? and Well, we've heard too much about their level of talent, and we've seen some of these guys. I mean, they've got some key guys back, and we've seen too much from their talent to think that this should be a 500 team. Uh, We were talking in the last segment that if you get to 10 wins, it doesn't matter if you're the Aggies, the Utes, or Cougars. If you get to 10 wins, it's a good season. But I think conversely, we've seen enough out of this team that if they end up at 6-6, six and six, that's just going to be a disappointment. Now, maybe when we see how the games play out and they got robbed because of a bad call here and they were down to their fourth-string quarterback, which did happen once. <laughs> they, they were the, the first so the first or second. No, it was the second year I was here, I think. They got down to, uh, in the early 90s, they got down to their fourth-string quarterback. And at that point, you give teams a pass. But assuming this is a normal season, if BYU ends up at 6-6, six and six, that'll be disappointing. And for all the tough schedules they've had to open up, they're heavy favorites over Arizona. And South Florida at home, at minimum, they need to be 2-2 two and two coming out of September. And if they get Utah or ASU, and both those games are at home, if they can get an upset in either one of those games, and I expect they'll be underdogs in both of them on a Vegas point spread, but if they win either one of them, then they're 3-1 and one and they're really set up. I mean, Utah State looks like a rebuilding year to me. So that's 4-1, and one, and you got Boise State coming in, and you've beaten them two years in a row. And they got a new coach. I think things really set up if they can get out of the month 3-1. and one. All right, he's got, uh, we got some technical difficulties with PK. We'll get him hooked up again, uh, and we'll get to his Ute prediction coming up at 8.30 as well and where he thinks the Utes are going to end up. Next, Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network's Raider, Va- Raider analyst, and uh, one of our favorites. He's going to join us next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.